This is the balanced dilemma. We tackle the often uniquely, but not always, female dilemma. Managing life, work, family, and self. I'm Maura Carlin. And I'm Christy Derrico. At The Balanced Dilemma, we speak with women and men to hear their balanced stories. Our guests are entrepreneurs, reinventors, creators, executives, parents, and partners, telling us what we really want to know. How the heck did they manage that? And can you have it all and all at the same time? Our guest today is Marie Charlotte Pirro, founder and CEO of Olio Pirro LLC, the worldwide marketing arm for the ultra premier extra virgin olive oil, Pirro Olive Oil, produced by her brother, Roman Pirro, in Tuscany, Italy. But wait, although Charlotte can speak the language of Italian olive oil, she is actually a French native who grew up in the Pyrenees Mountains and lived in the French West Indies before coming to the U.S. on a boat. Yes, we'll get to that story. Charlotte met her husband, William Willie Harbour. Google him. Yes, he's that guy. And they married in 2005, merging separate careers in both New York and Miami. Together, they created several boutique brokerage companies, MC Squared Realty and later Via Prestige Real Estate Miami, establishing themselves as Miami's experts in the luxury real estate market. All of these disparate qualities in Charlotte's personal and professional CV, plus her passion for excellence, made her the perfect person to forge the Piro brand's collaborations with top chefs, food writers, food stores, resorts, and eateries across the U.S., and to manage the thriving e-commerce component of the brand. She and her husband divide their time between Greenville, South Carolina, and Lake George in beautiful upstate New York with their sons, Hendrix and Remington. Welcome to The Balanced Dilemma, Charlotte. Well, thank you, Christy. We are thrilled to have you, and we'd really like to know, to start, your story about coming to America. On a burger. <laughs> yes, and, and oh, yeah. you should tell us, a burger is a fancy yacht. This is not a cargo ship. It's, it's, a, it's a vintage yacht from the, from the Great Lakes uh, that also ships, you know, you find them all around the world. But it's a, it's a beautiful boat. I lived in St. Martin and St. Bart, the northern French uh, Caribbean islands. But you and, grew up in uh, France. Let's let's go back to the I, childhood. Tell us about what, mm-hmm. where in France, and um, what that was like. Well, I was born in the center of France in the Lot region, but moved to the Pyrenees when I was seven years old with my parents. Um, beautiful town uh, next to the mountain. It's one hour from the mountains and one hour from the sea. So. We have this little tradition there at the springtime is to ski in the morning and surf in the afternoon, which I didn't do because I was too young to do, but that's what like high school kids would like to do. It was quite fun. It's a beautiful place. Um, I went to uh, middle school there, high school there, and then moved to the larger city of Toulouse for my uh, college. I did four years there and did one fifth year in the uh, University of Bordeaux, uh, where I studied uh, economics and uh, mathematics, as well as uh, economic of developing countries as a minor. So your your education Mm -hmm. was focused mainly on business and economics-related issues. Was that your plan? Yes, actually my plan was 
to work for the UN. That's really what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to be, uh, you know, in an international developing uh, capacity. Uh, and this is what I wanted to do, yeah. And did you get there? Well, not far. I, I <laughs> she was having too much fun. Come on, tell, so, tell her. Tell us what happened after your education. <laughs> well, um, I got my first internship in the French Caribbean with the local uh, French governor, uh, prefet, prefecture. And uh, my internship of six months ended up uh, two years as I got recruited there very fast from the, pri- the public sector to a private company that owned the Cartier Boutiques in uh, St. Bart and St. Martin, which was uh, pretty awesome because it was the fantastic 90s and, you know, those islands were so fun. And it was, uh, you know, I got to meet all these really famous people and hang out with them. And, you know, it was was very cool. And I'm like, well, you know what? I don't need the UN. I can just do this luxury thing forever. You know, so, so I didn't go back to France uh, where I was uh, planning a postgraduate, which never happened. Um, so I worked in uh, St. Martin and St. Bart for a couple of years. It was really fun. But uh, then I discovered that Miami existed. <laughs> I, I got to go to Miami a couple of times and uh, was very impressed by the city. That was the 90s as well. And I decided it would be a great idea to move there, which I did. And so why the boat? <laughs> why the boat? Why the boat? I went by, uh, I packed up my things and I was really going to Miami on a whim. No plans whatsoever. No visa. You know, uh, it was way t- pre-9-11, so things were relatively easier. Uh, full disclosure, I'm 100% legal now, obviously, because I did everything I had to. Um, but I took a plane ticket, but when I went to say goodbye to one of my friends who lived on the island, he said, well, I'm going to Miami as well tomorrow on my boat. It's going to take a week. Come with us. And I said, absolutely. I think that <laughs> says I it all. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, it took me a week to get there, but he was a fantastic adventure, obviously. And that's how I learned what a burger was. <laughs> But getting serious, you had some situations occur when you came to the United States. It's not like it is in Europe. Health insurance, it doesn't just come to you. Tell us what it was like to be culturalized in the U.S. system. Uh, It was um, not easy at all. Uh, the, The health industry, the health care industry is very complicated here compared to France where everything is 100% taken care of. So for several years, I made the choice to keep my French uh, health uh, coverage system, which I had to pay for, uh, but that would cover, you know, for the very basics. Um, But then I had to get into the system, which was a whole different story. Um, but uh, for a few years, I was actually without coverage because I was an independent contractor very early. I got into the real estate business very early as independent contractors, as you know. So you're really responsible for all your coverage. And I left for a few years. And that's a very, you know, that's a very scary situation as a young person. And I just couldn't wait to get back on a, on a good, uh, on a better situation. How was it being alone in another country? I mean, I... You'd left your family. 
I was a, I was an adult, I was a young adult at the time. I was uh, between twenty two, twenty three, twenty five. So at this age, most people love to be alone and you know do their thing and start their career. Uh, I was of of course always in touch with my family. My parents visited every year, you know. Um, so I was not really alone uh plus at this age you make a lot of friends which i did i was uh you know your friends become your family at that time well, you started a career in real estate how did you get started in that because that wasn't your background that was not my background at all even though i was in the luxury industry uh, for a couple of years so i really learned to work with luxury products and luxury client luxury clientele um, Miami in the 90s was not what it is today and everything was still to be done, right? And uh, I came across this company that was very active and very dynamic at the time and they offered me a position which I took and I did very well very fast because at the time there was very few people in that industry and any, you know, and I spoke French, I, I spoke English, I spoke Engli- uh, Spanish, I learned a little bit of Hebrew, uh, so all of this made me, uh, you know, successful pr- pretty fast. So, so I want to pause here. Let's take this back to the mid twenties. Did having a her fam- mid twenties? Yes, your <laughs> mid twenties. We're, we're not we're not going all the way back. Did having a family even uh, register on your mind at that time, or were you just no. living life? Did you ever think about maybe you wanted to be a mom? No, not not at that time at all. No, no, no. And at some point in time, you met Mr. Harbor, and yes, uh, that was about 2003, and he was in a similar yes. business at that time. And no. Uh, oh, well, no. correct us. He Tell was, us what he was doing. Uh-huh. No, no, no. He was, he was uh, retiring from a music industry career, a very successful one, and he was, he was about to fold it up. So he was, that's where he was when I met him. And the two of you have, since that time, uh, brought your great minds together to work in real estate. And that's what you were doing in Miami for many And we're going to continue that discussion in a moment. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Balanced Dilemma. And we're speaking with Charlotte Pirro. Charlotte, before we broke, uh, you were talking about your husband. And what we wanted to get into was you started a business with him. And not everyone wants to work with their significant other. Tell us about the business and what that was like. Well, you know, we started the business at a very crucial time because this is when the subprime uh, crisis started. And this is when we started that business uh, because every other company was closing down. And we decided it would be a fantastic time to take opportunity of this. So we started working together. Uh, I was really the front of the house. He was the back of the house. So we, because uh, that's what he does the best and I do very well the other, you know, part. Wait, wait, but don't so don't go further. Actually, what does that mean? Are you Were you in charge of uh, sales and bringing in business and he ran the yeah. books? Yeah, and close exactly. the deals. And close the, the deals? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The contracts and the books would go through him, uh, the client management and the contract. Uh, and the contract negotiation would be actually the two of us. This is where we would meet most of the time. And did, um, you, uh, we, did you get a lot yeah. of opportunities during that time due to the uh, subprime uh, sub, uh, real estate market and the collapse? Wait, did that create an yes, opportunity did, for course. you or a challenge Huge or both? Opportunity. 
uh, it was a 100% opportunity and we decided to focus because as you know, you need to have a very specific target of clients, right? We really focused on bringing French clients into Miami. Oh, no, I should say European clients into Miami. So we worked a lot with Euro buyers um, and that was very successful, very fast. However, we realized that it was not always easy to, to for us to make clients understand of the rarity of the fantastic product they were about to get and how what a fantastic deal it was. So after a year into this uh, difficult market situation, we decided that we might be better off just buy the property ourselves. So we started also buying properties as as we were also brokers. So we we were doing the two um, those two. Um, uh, activities together and uh, that grew very fast and we got more agents working with us um, and this is uh, this is how we really started. So were you buying to rent them or buying them to fix up and resell to people from overseas once they came to the states and saw it and realized what it was? Both, both. We did both. Now, this is the business end of your life. Talk to us about what was going on personally. At some point, you got married. And when did well, you... Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Tell us the story. Uh, I got married in 2003, which was fantastic. And my husband... We, when we met, my husband and I knew we wanted to get married. and knew we wanted a family right away. So it really changed for me from my mid-20s to the age of 30. I was absolutely ready to have a family. And... Uh, we got married, had this, our first son two years later, and then the the, the subprime mortgage uh, happened. So actually, I didn't know, by the way, this whole crisis happened. I was busy with my first son. I had taken six months off my corporate job. I was in a corporate real estate um, at the time. And uh, someone told me, oh, my God, have you heard what happened? <laughs> and I didn't even know because I was busy with my son. You know, I was doing the mom thing. So um, that was an interesting, you know, situation with several of my colleagues are like, really, you have no idea what's going on. So did we you have quite a laugh about this? Well, that can happen. I call it a news coma. I've been in those a few times uh-huh. in my life. But did you yeah. intend to be um, a stay at home mom or were you going to be a working mom? What did you envision? I always wanted to be a working mom, but I didn't want to, uh, quote-unquote, sacrifice the first few months of uh, the the life of my son and with me to work. So I made it quite clear to my, uh, I don't want to say employer because I was always a independent contractor, but I made it very clear to uh, my, the company I worked with that uh, I'm not going to be available for six months and uh, I'll pick up my career where it is when I'm ready to come back. I was really ready to take a step back um, for for the time I wanted to have with uh, my first baby and my second one, as a matter of fact. Coming from France, did you have different image of what combining motherhood and career would be like, particularly since European countries have much better child care and support for working parents? Or at least that's our perception. <laughs> right, there, there you go. You know... This is a great question. I don't think I had a set idea of what to expect. You know, um, I I did never compare what we have here going on in the U.S. to France because I never had friends who are young parents 
until I became one, if that makes sense. Um, so really, it really came when I was a parent and my friends in France became parents pretty much at the same time that I realized, oh my God, they have it good. They have, you know, um, this, this easier way to get help in Europe as a working mom. Uh, here, you really cannot have to make it happen, you know, day after day. It's, it's a, I look at it, at, I mean, now I'm a little bit out of the woods because my kids are young teenager, but at the time, I really took it one day at a time on how to make it work. So let me ask you this. Did you get hit with any parenting curveballs? Did you have a, a vision in your mind that it was going to be one thing and then something else happened? Or how was how were those oh early years? Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. What I imagined was, you know, the, the beautiful novel, and uh, it was a total nightmare. <laughs> in what it way? Tell a, us some stories. Everyday nightmare. Um, where do I start? Uh, you know, school not working out the cost of the schools with i'm saying schools but uh, daycare we were totally not prepared to have to spend this kind of money on daycare and at you know at the time we were starting families so every dollar counted and we spent an enormous amount of money on child care and help because i i had to go back to work eventually obviously uh i was very lucky to have flexible schedule but still you know the kids had to be taken care of at least so this three four hours a day you had the children or at least one of them before you started the business with your husband am i understanding that correctly so you are correct yes once you started the business with your husband did it work more easily of course it did i worked from home Ah. he worked from home uh, it was we we did not have an office at the time for two reasons: one, we couldn't afford it, and B, it was extremely convenient to be at home. So I remember very well. I was working in the dining room, and my husband was working in the living room. We had little desk there that could be packed up very easily if we needed, um, and uh, we worked month and month and month together in the house with the children so this brings up a very good question we're both chomping at the bit yeah, to answer, the, ask so the same question we, Go we ahead. use the phrase lead parent often on the show one parent who takes care of most of the child care uh, obligations and household stuff that's mm-hmm. right but it sounds mm-hmm. like with you and your husband you kind of rotated the duties is that correct a hundred percent yeah i was very lucky and i, I still am i have an extremely a helpful partner. My husband is uh, completely hands-on, and uh, this was extremely beneficial to keep our career, uh, both our career, you know, together. And so we could make a living for this family to pay for childcare. And on that <laughs> note, take a break. We'll be back. This is a balanced dilemma. You're listening to the balanced dilemma. We're speaking with Charlotte Piro. Piro olive oil, and we're going to get to the, the olive only oil. olive oil you should have. <laughs> oh, we're not doing oh, ads, Christy. No, no, I'm just doing a little plug. Um, but you know, real, from real estate to olive oil isn't an easy jump or a natural jump. Tell us about that. Um, it was an easy jump for me because I'm still in the luxury industry. You know, I'm still dealing with the luxury product. It's not real estate, but it's you know premium olive oil. 
And uh, um, now in the food industry, I was before in the real estate industry, but it was a relatively easy uh, jump for me to do, uh, especially because it still allows me a very large amount of flexibility for my children. I insist to take them to school every day. I want to pick them up. I want to go to the games, you know, and all of this I can do because I am the CEO of my own company. Uh, and that works as well. But by the way, I made it clear with the ladies who work with me that uh, any obligation that is child-related or, as a matter of fact, skiing-related or <laughs> sailing-related takes precedent on certain obligations for work because for me it's really important people who work with me can have you know, the flexibility for the things that a, makes them happy, and B, keeps their family together. So this brings um, up a good question. Were you looking for a pivot? I mean, you, how long did you do the real estate for? Uh, 10, 15 uh, years? 20, no, 20 plus years. So were you looking oh, yeah. for a new challenge, or did this just yes, fall into your lap? I, I was. I, it fell into my lap at the time I was looking for a new challenge. Um, my brother asked me for many years to take on the product and, and market it in the U.S. I'd never had the time or really the, the willingness for it because I was busy with my career. But then I got a little uh, open, you know, open-minded about it. And uh, when I saw the potential of it, I said, you know what? I think we could do even better with this fantastic product. And uh, I gave it a full-time uh, two years ago. So did you and, just um, walk out of business with your husband? Did the two of you shut down the all. business? Mm-hmm. What happened? Not at all. No, no, no. We, our company is still running. My husband is still managing it. And we have a fantastic team. You know, we have people who work with us uh, in Miami who take care of a lot of our properties and our clients. Uh, I'm just mainly concentrated on Kiro uh, Olive Oil right now. Even though I have to say, you know, Dear clients, people I've been working with for 20 years still get, you know, my my attention and my work if they need anything to do with the with the real estate company. So, uh, but now you're now working with your brother. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and how's, how does that work? Because working with other family members right. can be difficult. Husbands also, can be hard no, right? <laughs> it looks like I'm a, a serial. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here working family or husband, but uh, working with my brother is pretty easy because we have two completely different tasks in this project. He's the producer, so he's, he, his job starts at the olive tree and goes all the way to the finished bottle. And when the bottle is finished and the oil is in it, I take it on and all the rest is 100% me. So I have consulting in the production uh, in terms of uh, blend quality timing. Uh, he has consultants on, you know, big decisions on kind of distributors, countries, you know, a, a little bit about pricing, but all the rest is 100% separate decisions. So we are the boss of each of our little parts of the business. So pardon my uh, naivete, but Take us through this a little bit. So an, a little olive grows. It's a fruit. It's got a pit on a tree. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from there, it's harvested. And 
my understanding is the first press is what's considered extra virgin olive oil. And then I hear this phrase, uh, Master Miller. Can you tell us how we get to the final broad bottle and, and the different qualities? Of course. Thank you. Of course. Well, for us, there's only one quality, which is extra virgin olive oil, and there's only one press, obviously. Um, we, we pick the, the, I say we, but of course, we means the team. I'm not always there picking the, the fruit, but we pick the, the olive very early in the reaping process. Um, in the morning, actually early in the morning and early in the year, we start to, uh, picking in October. And it goes right away to the meal within a few hours. It is pressed right away. There's many different, uh, pressing, um, uh, process, you know, the process is, uh, uh, as many different machines, but in the evening, I mean, after a few hours, you have the oil that comes from the olive that you pick in the morning. So it's a fantastic process because the same day you can use the olive oil of the olives you had, um, done that day. We kneel both the flesh of the olive and the pit. So they are, cr- they are washed, they are crushed, uh, they are malaxed to get the olive oil out of the olive paste. Um, and they are malaxed at a very specific temperature, cold press, you know, at a very low temperature. And there they are centrifugated, filtered, and then bottled. So all of this is done the same day. It's a fantastic process to, uh, to witness. And uh, from the bottling, um, they are kept away from light. Uh, we bottle under oxygen-free environment. So, you know, the, the goal of my brother is really to bring us here in the U.S. the oil exactly as it tasted when it was milled at the meal. So it's extremely fresh. We only sell for one year uh, the oil that we produce. Uh, we sell out anyhow, you know, within like six months, our oil is most of the time sold out. Um, and it's a great process, you know, very, uh, very time consuming, but uh, it's a fantastic, um, fantastic process to witness. For those of us who may be home cooks, can you just tell us really what is the difference between this kind of olive oil and what we might otherwise buy in the store? The difference between premium olive oil and supermarket olive oil? All right. Um, I started to fly business and first class when I was about like 35, 40 years old. And I got to get the first, you know, like a front of the plane ticket one day. And I never wanted to spend the extra money for it because I'm like, I don't need that. I can fly in the back. Everything's fine. I get to the same place, right? But then I went in the front of the plane and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? What, this exists and I'm not there every, every time. Well, the oil is the same thing. Like if you have not tried premium fresh olive oil, you don't know what it is until you try it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that means you never tried it. Is it for cooking or is it for more for salads? Like is is it an oil that you would cook with? Yes, you can cook with it. Some people choose not to do it because they find it's a little pricey oil to use. Uh, on your pan, but the, it's a game changer. Once you start cooking with it, it's hard to go back. Just like flying, you know, First in an upgraded form. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, but it is a fantastic product that's really a game changer for your your cook your cooking. And we are not the only premium olive oil. You know, there's a lot of fantastic olive oils available on the market. They are not five dollars a bottle. You know, they are more pricey, but they are 
um, bottles in glass with dark glass, you will find a, the date of the harvest on the back of the bottle. And all of this guarantee, guarantees you that you have a real fresh premium extravergine olive oil of single, single origin, which is really what you know, most of the time you would look for. Well, olive oil is really having a heyday right now as, I mean, there are so many uses for it, like uh, Starbucks' recent olive oil coffee. I mean, I can I you know. see you olive oil and coffee? Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, absolutely. I absolutely love reading all of this. And, you know, I think Starbucks is, is using a decent olive oil, you know, um, because using... Uh, Using olive oil that's not really extra virgin olive oil is kind of pointless. It really doesn't have any health benefits, you know. You really want to go for the real fresh extra virgin olive oil. Extra virgin meaning it is free of defects. It is not um, uh, musty. It is not um, um, rancid, you know, all the taste that most of us are used to, like, most of the people don't even taste a rancid taste in an olive oil because we're so used to it. But once you taste an oil that's not rancid, you feel like, oh my God, this is delicious. I want this all the time. Why was I drinking the bad stuff before? Right. I think of um, the olive oil as having almost like, you almost think of a green, uh, the fruit taste, and you're bottling protects the olive oil also to with oxygenation and things like that we have to move on we'll be back this is the balanced dilemma we're we're talking to Charlotte Pirro Christy but before we get back to that could you tell our listeners where they can find us? My favorite thing to do. They can go to thebalancedilemma.com where you can listen to old episodes and sign up for our newsletter, find show announcements, show notes, resources, and further reading. Follow us on social media at The Balanced Dilemma Podcast on Facebook and LinkedIn. Podcast episodes are also available for listening on Apple iTunes, Google, Spotify. Please rate us and share us with your friends. Now, I want to downshift to something we touched on before with lead parent. So you had a life where you were geographically close to your children and you and your husband juggled the task of taking care of the children. Now you are a a national and international person flying at times having to promote this new product how has this changed the uh dynamics in your household um who how do you handle lead parenting now uh when you have to have such big obligations at times uh well it is not easy and it really takes a fantastic uh uh, co-parent, you know, like my husband is extremely supportive. Um, we we make the kids first priority, regardless. So this is the number one, you know, the the, the vacation, the, the the vacation time, the days off for the kids. We always know about it, and it takes a lot of organization. I look at the following year school calendar the minute it comes out. Okay, really, we try to be as organized as possible. Um, having teams is easier and more difficult at the same time, you know, um, because we don't, we don't, we could leave them a little more alone, but we don't want to miss those times that they have because they're so precious and they go so fast. So our focus is really the kids, first of all. I travel much more right now, but I have to really curate my time away from the house um so for me especially now i'm in the lounge 
launching part of that business, it's all about the business. There's no fun travel for me right now. It's really all related to work. I know it's not going to last, but for now, that's a choice that we made. Um, and as soon as I'm back, I put my my suitcase away right away, and I hit the ground running and start again. You know, the pick it up where I left it with the kids. So you basically are make, taking this time with this uh, launching this new business, to, and you're sacrificing some of your personal joy to do this business venture and putting the kids first because these are their teen years and you only have a little bit more time before they're on, launching into adulthood. But do you have a secret for dealing with those unexpected bumps? You mean, you're, fly, you're in the middle of a flight and somebody breaks something or they fail something or they're kicked out of school, whatever. Things stuff we've happens. all experienced. Stuff happens. Is, do you have any secret always, for how it gets dealt with? It's one one day at a time, and it, I deal with it when it comes in. But it happens every life happens. You know, it's never ever easy. And if you have, if I have to take a step back, I'm going to take a step back and start again. Uh, it's it's not easy. Never is. So but, uh, the key is to to not you know. Not give up and know it's the same for everyone. So can you think of a day where you had one of those uh, worst days, those those moments in, in this upstart period, uh, startup period for your business? And what happened and how did you deal with it? Maybe a big meeting that was to take place and then you get a call from school. Can you tell us one of those days? Oh, my God, yes. Yes. <laughs> I have a bunch of those. Where do I start? Uh, excuse myself, I'm sorry, my son is not well, I'm going to leave the meeting and I'm going to go. And people understand or don't, it doesn't matter because you have. I have priorities. And once again, I'm super lucky to be the CEO of my own company. So I don't need to ask for approval, I'm just going to say, I'm going to have to do this first. Um, I feel very blessed and fortunate to have to be in that position right now. And people who work with me who are um, also parents, I would always understand that the work will come later. So you afford them that same opportunity, that they don't really have to choose, that they can do what needs to be done. 100%. And it's a, it's a very important part of the way I work and we work in our team right now. Charlotte, I have been amazed by your marketing uh, prowess and success. You were featured in Wall Street Journal. Oh, yes. That's the article I sent you. Right. I, I, can you tell us how you made that happen? Because things like that don't just fall out of the sky. It's a great story. Come on, share this with us. Um, I, where to start? Um, I, you know, the first pilot of olive oil came here in the U.S. in March 2020. Okay, so we were hit full on by the pandemic, <laughs> totally unprepared. It was terrible. All restaurants closed, all gourmet stores closing. What am I going to do with this olive oil that's fresh? Remember, I can't store it for a year. I have to sell it this year. So I had to learn uh, e-commerce very fast, uh, made a website. The website that's online, I made it during the pandemic. Um, but I had to survive. I had to, I had to find people who would come to my website. So... Uh, it was very hard to find, you know, connection to all these food writers and, and press people. But I was very lucky because uh, 
um, I got to meet one of the journalists who spoke about us first. She rented my house in uh, Lake George for a week. And uh, I, I, I had left to the renter who she was a little uh, 100 milliliter bottle to say welcome. But when I understood who she was, I'm like, wait a minute, let me change the bottle. So I gave her one of the big ones. And uh, at the end of her stay, she's like, oh, my God, this Oliver is absolutely fantastic. I would love to talk about it, you know, in the future, which she did. And I'm so thankful uh, to her. Uh, that's Jane Black, if you hear us. Jane, thank you again. So, so thankful for that. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Uh, when you get to press a feature like this, you get a lot of sales for like a week or two, and then it's over, and it's over, you know. So one feature like this did not help, of course, a lot, but didn't make us, you know, one of the players right away. And I remember the pandemic was keep on, you know, all the food shows were canceled and I still didn't have any contacts in 20, late 2021, early 2022. I'm like, where am I going? You know? So I called Jane again because she always told me, you know, whatever you need, you call me. I called her again. I said, Jane, listen, I'm not, it's, I'm not going anywhere. It's not happening. I need help. Can you connect me with people? you know, who could uh, who could help me. And she's like, absolutely. She made two phone calls, connected me to two wonderful ladies. One of them didn't work out. The other one was the beginning of everything for me. And it all came from me as a vulnerable person picking up the phone and say, I need help because it's not working out. And this is a very important thing as a parent that you also need to be not afraid of asking, you know, say, hey, it's not working out. Can you help me? And I think moms and parents are always able to 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 understand that. Uh, it worked for me in business and it happened to me in the past where I'm stuck. I have no way to get my kids on time. That's a problem. I would call another mom and say, you need to step up for me and you know, people do. You know, so. you, you've been interviewed before on this topic, and you specifically said that other women and small business owners were a crucial part of your getting your product out there. Do you still feel that's true today? A hundred percent. Every woman who has, quote unquote, a higher position than me in the food industry uh, that I got to meet and speak with and tell our story to would always come and say, how can I help you to go where you want to go? Always. And this is something that I find fantastic in that industry, new industry. I mean, that other women who own olive oil brands, I'm talking straight up competitors, okay, would always have their hand out and say, I will help you to get where you want to go. And this brings up a a, a big name that, you know, you and I listened to a show, uh, How I Built This. We both love that show. And he always asks the question, was it luck or hard work? And Mm -hmm. you've had a lot of lucky breaks that you put hard work into that turned out to be great things. One was Sylvia Baldoni, who you happened to be connected with. And then we had a, uh, a further connection. Tell us about Sylvia and how that came about and what that led to. Well, Sylvia is a wonderful person. She's been so helpful and kind to me as well for the olive oil. Uh, she knows exactly, she knows good olive oil, that's for sure. Sylvia is a chef contestant um, of a famous of Top Chef, I believe. 
He's a food network guru. Yes. Food network. Yeah. And uh, I was connected with her with one of my fantastic publicists who said, you know, you should contact Sylvia. And I did contact Sylvia. Uh, We had a little Zoom meeting. I never met her. And I was contacting her at the time in the summer. I was in Lake George and I said to her, yeah, I'm in Lake George right now. Oh, she's like, oh, I'm coming to Lake George in two weeks. I'm staying at a friend of mine. And I knew that friend of mine was hosting a bunch of women from New York two weeks from now. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you going to so-and-so's house? And she's like, how do you know that? You know, this stranger thing that we were actually only one degree, you know, we, we, we only had a one degree connection between us it was very very funny and of course she came two weeks later and we had a blast and we we i don't want to say inseparable because we both are moms and we are very busy but um yes we 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 struck a very awesome friendship right away charlotte we have to get to some of our key questions so with everything that you've done and what's happened do you think you can have it all and all at the same time i do yeah i do and to my great fault, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> How reflective. What advice would you give to someone who was trying to achieve that? Uh, be bold, you know, and ask for help. I like okay. it. Do you think that two people in a couple with high demanding careers can pursue them at the same time? Uh, only with great open mind for uh, flexibility and you need to have the same focus if you have the same focus which is your family and what you want to build together then you can work it if you don't have the same focus it doesn't work it has been a pleasure speaking with you charlotte we will have all the information about your olive oil in our show notes christy do you want to give some more information about it before we wrap uh, I think we'll oleopiro.com and it'll all be available online. Thank you so much for joining us. All I'm right. Laura Carlin. I'm Christy Darrow. Thank you, my friend. Pleasure speaking with you.